Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do that, get your sermon notes out. Of course, I told you last week, last Sunday, that I was going to um, uh, Phoenix this past week, had a conference, uh, just a, a week of refreshment for me, and um, uh, right after church was over with, took my family out to dinner, went home and crashed for about 45 minutes, and then, uh, you know, got ready, went to the airport. You know, it's a long day. Uh, when, when you fly out of South Bend, there's almost always connecting flights. So I had a connecting flight in Dallas, and then and then landed in Phoenix, and I went to go get the rental car in in uh, Phoenix. If you've ever been to, if you've ever flown into Phoenix Sky Harbor, it's a it's a big airport, and they have the Sky Train that takes you over to the rental center that's off site. So I took the Sky Train, got it there about twelve thirty our time, ten thirty their time, and and I had reserved. It was the same price to reserve either a, a four door sedan or a truck. Well, you know, because I'm a redneck, I decided to. Get the truck. Okay, so so I, I go and get this. I, I go get this truck, and um, and the guy tells me as I'm handing him the paperwork, he said, "Yeah, I see. I, I see your reservation." He said, "All of the trucks are on, on aisle like four or five or whatever it was." And he said, "Just go out there and, and pick a truck, whatever." I said, "Whatever truck I want." He said, "Yeah, any any truck you want." And so I walk out there to four, you know, aisle four or five, and I, I'm seeing, you know, I see it, my first thing is Chevy Colorado is a four door. Then I saw a, a base model Tacoma, and I already have that. And I was thinking, well, you know, I mean, that's what I drive. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to see what other trucks there were. And there's a Dodge Ram, and I'm not a Dodge guy. Maybe you are. I'm not really a Dodge guy, and. Um, and all of a sudden, I, I see this glow of light. It was a halo over the top of a truck. And it was, it was a beautiful red color. And it was a Toyota Tacoma, but it had, it had these three letters on the side of it. On the bed, it said TRD. And I knew what this stood for, Toyota Racing Development. And I'm thinking off-road. It had nice off-road tires on it. It was a little bit raised. And I thought the glory, I heard the hallelujah chorus ringing in the background, everybody. And I thought this is the greatest day. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive, and I just went straight for that Toyota. I was hoping nobody would beat me to it. And I, I went to that Toyota. I got in, and I thought this is a beautiful thing. It just it just it just felt like home. And so, if you know anything about me, that I love the outdoors, love hiking, I love um, just anything out, out outdoorsy. And um, so, if if I go to this conference in Phoenix, which I used to go to every year for about ten or twelve years, and then I've stopped about five six years ago, and I decided this year, you know what, I just need some. Some rest and, and some refreshment, so I went to it. And I always get there like a day early or, or stay a little bit later, one of the two on, on either side of the, the conference, because I just want to go spend time out in God's country. You know what I mean? I just want to go out in the, the wilderness. And, and, and if, if you've heard this before, forgive me, but last summer I took my kids uh, uh, to Colorado on vacation. And before I went, I said, I know we just rented a cabin out, out in the Rocky Mountains. And I told my kids, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go out there. I'm going to learn how to gold pan. I'm going to, I'm going to pan for gold. So I bought a little kit and I took it out there with me. And, and sure enough, we found gold. I brought some gold back with us and, and just had a riot doing it. Well, of course I thought this time, Hey, I, I know there's gold in Arizona. There's gold in them, their hills. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go out to around Prescott Valley area. They don't say Prescott there. Uh, they say Prescott. That's how you say it. So the, I went out to Prescott and then um, I went out to this place called Lynx Creek where you could go and pan for gold. And, and you get up there and there's snow on the ground, five, six inches of snow. And uh, I'll tell you, I did pan for gold, found a little, you know, some flower gold, not really enough to keep. But I'm not out there for the gold as much as I'm telling you, if you're in the middle of the wilderness, big pine trees, snow on the ground, a, a beautiful, clear creek running by the, the sounds that how many know what I'm talking about? You're like, just, oh, 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 you can just stay there all day. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm just, I was just so glad to be out there, whether I, the gold wasn't important. I was just out in the wilderness and. But this one spot didn't pay off, so I decided, you know what, there, there's another spot I had tagged on my GPS, and so I, I went down to another spot, and it's in, it's in the National Forest. If you know anything about uh, National Forest, you know a lot of times they'll have these roads that are not, they're not paved, they're, they're just kind of, you know, gravel, uh, clay, mud, gravel mix, and... Um, and sometimes they'll have these big swinging bars in front of them that are brown that, you know, sometimes the gate is locked and you can't go down that road. Well, this, this gate was open 
and, uh, and, and there was snow on the ground, but I could see part of the trail, and I thought, hey, no big deal, man. I got my TRD. I got my Tacoma right here, and I just started going down this, this road. Went quite a ways, about a mile down this road, and all of a sudden, I thought, you know what? This is getting a little sketchy down here. All of a sudden, I'm just driving on snow, and there's hardly any gravel to be found. You know, I'm kind of just... Uh, I think now's the time for four-wheel drive. So I'm not one of those guys that puts it in four-wheel drive all the time. I'm just, I wait for the right moment. I reach down and I think we're, no four-wheel drive, everybody. There was no four-wheel drive. Like, it, that, they lied to me. It said TRD, and I don't know what that meant, but it didn't mean four-wheel drive. And I just took it for granted it was there, and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's no houses around. It's going to be a long walk back, you know, to get somebody to, to pull out my truck. I thought, well, if there's no four-wheel drive, I was, I was downhill the entire way. I thought, there's no way that I can put this in reverse and back up my only option was, was uh, there's about a, a little clearing about 250 feet away, give or take, 150, 200 feet away, that, that was kind of a flat and still a lot of snow on the ground, but at least it was flat. I thought, you know, if I can get down there and just turn, turn around, maybe I can get a running start and, and just make it back up. And so I, I decided to go down there. To, I hit that plateau. And, and I start manipulating the truck around, and I'm doing one of those things. Have you ever been like stuck? Because at, at some points, it, the truck just wasn't moving, and it wanted to move, but it, you're rocking. How many know what I'm talking about when you're rocking a vehicle back and forth? So I'm rocking the vehicle back and forth, and, and I open up my door, and I stick, out, I stick out my leg. Have you ever done that? So you're using the gas pedal with one foot, and then you're pushing with your other leg to, to, to try to move that. And sure enough, I got it to move, and I thought, you know, if I just created a space here where I cleared out the snow, and, and just expose the gravel, um, the, the drive, then, then maybe I can, I can get, so I cleared the snow out, and I manipulated that truck and finally got one of the tires, one of the rear tires on the gravel, and, uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put it in low gear, I'm gonna punch it, and, and, I, and I'm just gonna punch it the entire way up, because once I start, I'm not stopping, you know what I'm talking about? And by the grace of God, everybody, I finally just caught a little bit of traction. It was enough to propel me forward. And I, I, I bolted. I mean, I didn't lay off the gas at all. And I was going up and down and boom. And I'm thinking, oh, praise God, this is a rental. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever had that thought before? You're like, oh, thank the Lord, this is a rental, right? And so and what, what I was thinking about it, it's like I here, I just took it for granted that when I saw this truck and I saw TRD and I, and I saw the off-road tires because it had special off-road tires on it, I just took it for granted it was four-wheel drive. And it, it wasn't four-wheel drive at all. It was nowhere to be found in it. And um, I, I was thinking, you know, how many times we do that in life? We just take things for granted. Like we just, we just take things for granted in our life. And some of you have taken things for granted in your life concerning your purpose, your very, the very reason for your existence. Like you take it for granted. Well, I just go to, I just go to work today. Well, I just come home for work every day. Well, then I go to work tomorrow and then I come home for work tomorrow. And then, you know, this weekend I've got plans with my family and you just take every single day for granted. Can I tell you that God never intended for you to live life where you took every single day for granted? He didn't, he didn't intend life. He didn't intend for you to live life like that. That you were created on purpose for a purpose. And so we're going to continue this series moving on that, that we've been in for several weeks, but we're talking about discovering your purpose and making a difference. And so if you missed last week, go back to that and listen to it. But I'm going to give you a, a very brief uh, comment of what we talked about last week, that true success in life is not in your accomplishments. It's not in your achievements in this life. Meaning the true success in life is not... Uh, uh, is not just getting all the money that you can get and having the nicest house and having the nicest cars and having the nicest stuff, that a lot of people aim for that, but those are very temporary things. So if you aim at temporary things, you're just going to experience temporary happiness. But if you aim at things, if you build your life upon things that are eternal to making an eternal difference, you'll experience eternal joys. So we said success is not a matter of of achievements, it's not a matter of accomplishments. Success is actually a matter of obedience to Jesus, obedience to the call of God upon your life, not only concerning holiness and integrity, but actually about your purpose in life. That, that your best life, your best life should be and is based upon your obedience to God, your obedience to God. 
Let, let me say it a different way to you today. That, that there's a difference between success and significance. And a lot of people aim at success. And what I'm trying to teach you is don't aim at what everybody else says is successful. You should not aim at success. You should aim at significance. Significance is different. Success is temporary. All of the things that you try to, to earn, to accomplish, those are very temporary. I promise you, you, the money that you have in your wallet today does not matter the day that you pass away. Did you know that? It has no eternal effect on your life. Your house, it, it's not always going to be as beautiful as it is right now. Or as ugly as it, as it is right now, okay? I'm just, I'm like your house, it's not eternal, but you're eternal. Your spouse is eternal. Your children are eternal. Your friends are eternal. Your coworkers are eternal. Everybody sitting next to you in this room is eternal. You see what I'm saying? That you can live your life for success and accomplishments, but those things are very temporary. Or you can live your life for significance, and significance focuses on that which is eternal. Oh, okay, so I'm going to show you some things in Scripture that are going to stand out to you today as we look at a very common story in the book of John, chapter 4. As you get, get ready for that, um, let me share a final thought with you. That success, if success is built upon accomplishments... Upon achievements, upon, let, let me say it this way, that success is all about getting, but significance is all about giving. There's a difference. Success is all about getting. Well, I, I want to get mine. I want to get as much money as I can. I want to get all of the toys, all of, everything with all the bells and whistles. I want it all. Like, I want it all. And, and if you achieve that all, if you achieve all of that, can I tell you, that's all about getting. But significance is all about giving. It's all about giving. And, and God, God wants you to live a significant life. Now, make no mistake, God wants you to enjoy this life. In fact, he says, hey, I've come to give you life and life to the full or life in abundance. Meaning, Jesus is saying, I want you to enjoy life now and I want you to enjoy life in eternity. I want you to enjoy God, the, the Father, and I want you to enjoy life. And he certainly will bless your socks off. He really will. I'm living proof of that. But as much as I, I don't live my life for success, I live my life for significance, then, then God just does the amazing and he just blesses me anyway. Like with things that I don't ask for, that I, that I don't long for, that I don't ache for, that I don't strive for. He just, he just blesses me anyway. It's, it's, the, it's the most amazing relationship. It's the most amazing thing to be in relationship with God like that, that he just blesses you. He loves blessing you. And can I tell you, if you live your life for success, you're living your life for the temporary. But if you live your life for significance, there's a difference. And you're living your life for and focused on the eternal. We're going to see this in John chapter 4. Starting in verse 3, it says, So Jesus left Judea, and he went back once more to Galilee, and he had to go through, now he had to go through, Samaria. So let me break this down to you. So Samaria is, is um, a place that the Jews really tried to stay away from, because the, the Samaritans were, were known as, as just... Um, the lowest of the low. They, they were just the dogs of the area. They were the, the nobodies of the area. And so a lot of people, especially the Jews, if they had to go on the other side of Samaria, a lot of times they would take the road around Samaria because they didn't want to have anything to do with its people or its land. So they would rather have a really long day going around it than to go through it and deal with the Samaritans. Well, Jesus... The Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Like he went out of his way. He went there on purpose. What, what a lot of people were, were, were skirting, Jesus went right into. I want you to write this down, first of all, that we've got to focus. If you want to live a life of significance, you need to focus on what others try to avoid. If you want a life of significance. Meaning there's a lot of people... That, that are, let's just say it this way, that I don't know a better way to say this. There are a lot of people in this world that are just very unlovely, that are, that are really difficult to love. It's the type of people at your workplace that everybody tries to avoid. 
It's the people in your family that everybody tries to avoid. Can I tell you something? That a lot of times to, be, to live a significant life, you, you, you need to focus on what others are, or on who others are trying actually to avoid. Let me show you something so beautiful in Scripture. It's in Ezekiel chapter 16. And this is such a powerful portion of Scripture in that um, it, it's very, it's what I call it, it would be a very poetic description of histories, of, of Israel's past history and how God worked within Israel, how he, in fact, in this case, how he dealt with Jerusalem. It's very poetic and, and so it, it's not, it, it's, it's a, really a metaphor. And it says this in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 6, in, in God dealing with Jerusalem specifically. He says, but I came by and I saw you there helplessly kicking about in your own blood. And as you lay there, I said, live. And I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. Watch what's happening here. So, so the prophet is, is, is writing down God, a description of what God did to the people in Jerusalem. And he said, I saw you in your mess. I saw you. In fact, I saw you and you were near death. You were, you were utterly destroyed. I saw you polluted in your own blood. And I did two things. The first thing I did, he said, I spoke to you. And I said unto you, live. The, 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 new King, or the King James Version, I believe, says it like this. I said unto you, live, yea, live. Like he, he was speaking life to them. And the second thing is, he said, not only did I speak life to you, but I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. How many knows that farming takes a lot of work, a lot of time? If you, if you plant and you reap, you know it takes a lot of time. And he said, listen, everybody else, everybody else was looking down on you. Everybody else was avoiding you. You were helpless. You were hopeless. You were in the nastiest of places. But I spoke to you and I said, live. And... I brought you up out of that, and I helped you get reestablished again and growing again. Aren't you glad that God doesn't avoid people that everybody else avoids? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what I'm trying to say. Like at some point, at some point in your life, if you came to, to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know this to be true, that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. That you looked at your life and you realized, I am a mess and I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to live up to God's standard or even my own standard. I'm failing. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And God said to you, when you approached him and said, here I am, God said to you, live the Bible says we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He saw you polluted in your own sin and he rescued you. And the Bible says he set your feet upon a rock. You are now unshakable in Christ Jesus. How many knows that's good news? Can I get an amen to that? Okay, okay. So, so now he's saying, I want you, new song, I want you to be a reflection of, of my heavenly father in the world. That's what Jesus would say to you. Like the way that my father shows mercy to the unlovely and grace to the unlovely. I want you to reflect that in the world. I want you to be gracious. I want you to be merciful. I want you to be loving to those that other people try to avoid. In fact, it's the story of the good Samaritan, isn't it? Somebody laying beaten, just at their worst state on the side of the road and all these people who were supposed to be helpful, they walk by. But then there was somebody who wasn't known for helping, who wasn't known for a good reputation. They actually stopped. They saw that person polluted in their own mess. And they helped him. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, the story that almost everybody in the world knows. Isn't that amazing? And God wants you to focus your life, oftentimes, on people who others are trying to avoid. I, I'm reminded, I was telling my, my daughter this last night, my, my youngest daughter was, we adopted her from Haiti 
And she was asking me some questions out of nowhere. It just happens when you're, when you have an adopted child. She was just asking me some questions that I won't tell you about, but she, part of it was she wanted to know what Haiti was like. And I said, well, babe, when you were born, this is 2010. I said, when you were born, an earthquake just happened three or four months before you were born. It was an earthquake of January 2010. She was born in April of that same year. And I said, you know what? The, the orphanage director said that there were literally families just, just taking their children and just lowering them over the, the, the fence, just saying, I can't care for my own child. And, and, and there were orphans. He, he would tell us stories that there, would, or, there were orphans everywhere in the street because their parents had died. And all of these other Haitians would just walk by. We just walked by. They would, see, they would see literally starving, naked children in the streets, and people were just walking by. And the orphanage director, with, with tears in his eyes, said, how could I do that? I, I can't do that. And see, see, he was living his life not to, not to be successful in the eyes of the world. He was living his life for significance. He chose significance over success. You want to know the truth? The, 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 the orphanage director that we worked with when we adopted our child, he, he was actually, he, he has his doctorate. He was a lawyer in Boston making lots of money, but the Lord called him to go back to Haiti and he, he's, he opened up an orphanage to rescue kids in, in, um, in all around Haiti, especially in Port-au-Prince. Isn't that amazing? He chose, he chose significance over success. And we applaud that, don't we? This moment I say that, you say, oh, that's so beautiful. You can live a beautiful life too. But you can't avoid the people who everybody else is avoiding if you want to live a life of significance. Oh, that'll preach. If that's the only thing you get from today, you got enough right there. But I'm, go, I'm, I'm moving on, everybody. I'm moving on. So we're going to go back to, to, to uh, John chapter 4, verse 5. It says, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So we're back to the woman at the well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And I marked this for you in your sermon notes. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And I'm going to come back to that. Now, a few of you, I've, I've taught this portion of this message several years ago to about 60 or 70 people. It was in, in like a midweek, like a Wednesday night gathering that we had. And I said, hey, one of these days, I'm going to preach that to, to New Song on a Sunday morning. Today is the day. So, so you already know where I'm going. If you already know, just don't, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. It's just let, leave, leave it a surprise. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I want you to write something down. I want to teach you something about this, that good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. Good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. This is the, this is the very nature of the gospel, everybody. The very nature of the gospel is this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Let me say it another way, that Jesus didn't come just to improve your life. He came to save your soul because you were a sinner in need of a savior and your sins had separated you from God. So Jesus didn't come to say, well, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to make more money. He didn't, he didn't come for that. Jesus didn't come so you could live in a brand new house and drive a brand new car and have, have the, bells and whistles, the bells and whistles on every single thing that you own. Like, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came, didn't come to improve your life. He actually came to save your soul. And a lot of times, especially in the church of America, the Christians across America, they're hearing a message now of, oh, Jesus can help you. Jesus can help you live your best life. You know, you're, Jesus wants you to be successful in life. And he does, and he will. He does, call, he does give us life and life to the full. He really does. But, but if we stop there, we are not preaching the good news of Jesus. If we stop there and say, Jesus is all about improving your life, then it makes it sound like you're good enough to get to heaven on your own. But you're not, and I'm not either. The Bible is very clear. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. 
And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I get an amen to that, somebody? Okay, so Jesus will improve your life. I promise you he will. But his first goal is to save your soul from a very real hell. And it's interesting to me how many people can talk about heaven and not talk about hell. And if you get your, your, your view of heaven based on this book, and we all should, this book also talks about a very real hell. And somehow, we oftentimes just think about heaven and talk about heaven and we talk about life improvement and we forget, everybody, that there really is a very real hell. And I want you to know something. And we need to tell everybody that we can that our goodness does not qualify us to go to heaven. That good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. People who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Everybody, we ha- what I'm saying is we have a message to proclaim. Jesus will make your life better. I promise you he will. But the focus of his life is shown here with the woman at the well. The focus of his life is to seek and save that which is lost. So, so Jesus has this beautiful conversation with her. For, for many verses, but that's not the point of what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to catch up near the tail end of the conversation that he's having with this woman at the well. And this is starting in verse 25. It says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. So they came in at the very tail end of this conversation. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? And that, that's important, everybody, in Scripture because, because the Holy Spirit wants us to know that as he's finishing this conversation, that we need to look into the lives of the disciples who are just coming back from buying food in town. And they're thinking very racist thoughts, just to be honest with you. They're thinking very racist thoughts. Why is he talking to her? She's not only a Samaritan, but she's a Samaritan woman. Can I tell you, everybody, there's no room for racism in the life of a believer. Come on, there should have been a better amen than that. There's no room for racism in our lives, everybody. There's one thing about me. You can ask anybody who knows me best. And I I don't often say these things. I, I I don't often... I don't ever want to talk about my strengths and, and come across as egotistical. But, but can I tell you something that, that the Lord has given me in my life, and it's a grace gift, that I have the gift of just loving everybody equally. From the most unlovely to the most what would be considered lovely people. I just love everybody the same. I treat everybody the same. And it just flows from me. I don't know why. I don't know how. I've had people say, how do you do that? I don't know. It's a grace gift. It's just a grace gift. I just, I, I'm telling you, I'm in Walmart and I, I see somebody I've never seen before and I just have this deep love for them. I, I just love them. I don't know why. And I, I, I can talk to a wall, everybody. I can. And I'm good at it. You, you know what I'm saying? I know that some of you aren't built like I'm built, but, but, but we're all supposed to have that same level of love, though. So I might... It, you might say, well, I'm just not a very you know, extroverted person. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you cannot love like the Lord loves. Because we are called to love God and love others. Right? Boy, I'm, 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 that wasn't even in my notes, everybody. I'm just going off here. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So Jesus has her attention. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And meanwhile, and I've highlighted all these verses for you in your notes. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
So what we're going to talk about now is not the, the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman, although that is very beautiful, it's very wonderful. What we're going to talk about is the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. So his disciples come from the town. They had just brought, brought food to Jesus. This woman is talking to Jesus. And they're saying, Jesus, do you know who she is? You're not supposed to be talking to her. This is kind of weird. They're asking all of these questions in their mind, but they dare not ask Jesus because they know Jesus is up to something. They don't want to question his authority, but they're thinking these thoughts. And Jesus answers them anyway. And he says to them, hey, hey guys, I have food that you know nothing. Well, Jesus, you need to eat something. Jesus, you're obviously tired. You're obviously hungry. Here, you need to eat something. He says, no, no, no. I've got food that you don't know anything about. Oh, oh, oh. And then they start looking at each other. Well, that doesn't make sense. Did somebody else come and feed him? I don't know. I didn't see anybody. Did you see anybody? Hey, John, did you see? No, I didn't see. Matthew, do you know? I didn't. Judas, did you see any? No, I didn't see anybody. Well, how did this guy eat? And he's, got, he's, he's in his mind. He's saying, oh, you guys. Come on, you guys. <laughs> he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Write this down, everybody. Number three, the followers of Christ are often more concerned about the meal than they are the mission. Do you see it? Well, Jesus, what are you going to eat? But Jesus, we haven't eaten yet. But Jesus is saying, would you stop focusing on the meal and start focusing on the mission? I didn't come through Samaria so I could get something to eat. I didn't come through Samaria to, to enjoy a meal. I came through to Samaria so that somebody's life would be changed. I came through Samaria on a mission. And you're only focused on the meal. And he's trying to teach them something. Something that we still have to learn in this generation. So many of us struggle with the meal and not the mission. We focus on the meal and not the mission. Something uh, really, it, it came to, I don't know, it, it's amazing how God puts these things together a lot of times. I had this memory uh, that came up and my, my mom was here, I don't know if she's here in the third service, but she was here the first and second service and you know she laughed a lot. I could see it in her eyes because she remembers this moment that, that uh, my brother, uh, Richard is his name, who also goes to church here, um, my brother was getting ready to go to Bible College, Central Bible College in Springfield. I've in Springfield, Missouri. I was raised and born and raised in Oklahoma, and uh, so it was the day that we were taking my brother Richard to, to Bible College. And you know, we get up early in the morning. You know how it is? They have orientation. All the freshmen come in. The incoming freshmen come in. We went to the chapel. They had orientation. They you know tours of the campus. We we had already went to his room. We met his roommate. We'd unpacked all of his stuff. You know his his bedding and you know all of it. Just all of his clothes. All of that stuff. And we're, by this time, we'd been on campus four or five hours, something like that. And I I looked at my mom and dad and said, Hey, when when are we going to eat? You know, I was a sophomore in high school, everybody, and I was just as big back then as I am now. True, true story. And, and I went to my mom and dad, hey, when are we going to eat? Well, no, it's getting stuff, it's Richard, you know, just, yeah, but when are we going to eat? Yeah, when are we going to eat? And I must have asked 10 times, maybe 15. Yeah, but are we going to eat soon? What are we going to do? I mean, I was a growing boy, everybody. I was hungry. And, and I'll tell you, but, but I, and this is the part I won't, I won't tell you the whole story, but let me just say that my mother made it known to me very clearly that I was asking the wrong question at the wrong time to the point that she walked away and she was in a huff. And I looked at my dad. I said, what did I do? And my dad said, stop it. He said... Right now, he said, don't you understand that your mom is about to give away her, her oldest son to college and he's probably never going to move back home again? Like, Justin, you're thinking about the meal, but your mother's here on a mission, right? She's dropping off her son and her emotions were really, really high. And all you can think about is the food. I'm like, yeah, but because I'm hungry, everybody, you know, was, I was still a teenager. I haven't even ever been stupid before. It's like, like, I couldn't wait for my brother to get off to college. I mean... Off with him. I don't care. Let's go eat. Let's go celebrate. But my mom apparently had different emotions than that. So true story. And I was just, I just had another thing happen though, just literally on Friday when I was coming back from, from Phoenix, that on my way back, of course, I had to, you know, check the rental car in and then um, 
um, you know, board a plane, then it was connecting flight. It was going to be a long day. And I'm kind of planning out the day. Well, you know what? If uh, the plane didn't leave, I didn't have to be at the airport until around noon. So I thought, well, I'll get kind of a brunch type of thing. And then uh, once I get to Dallas, I'll, I'll have just something small there. And that'll take me all the way home, get home at about 1030 at night on Friday. And so that was the plan. And, and, I, and, and then I just had this, this uh, uh, brainstorm, I mean, just brilliant idea. This brilliant idea. I mean, the glory of the Lord showed up in my, my uh, hotel room, and he said, Justin, there is a cracker barrel just a couple of exits down. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, you know what? The best gravy in the entire world happens to be a cracker barrel. How many have ever had cracker barrel gravy? That white gravy? Oh, Jesus invented that, everybody. The Bible says everything that's good and perfect comes down from the Father of lights. How many know cracker barrel gravy comes from Jesus? And I'm thinking, I'm going to go to Cracker Barrel. I'm going to get the old-timers breakfast. I don't even have to look at a menu, everybody. I know what's in the old-timers breakfast. Two eggs, two pieces of sausage, hash brown casserole, everybody, and biscuits and gravy. And I was going to go to town. And I, 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 I packed up. I thought, I'm going to Cracker Barrel. I know where it's at. And I went there. And as I pulled up, there's a white van, and there's this very fragile elderly woman getting out of her van. And as she was getting down out of the van, there was a walker right there, and, and what turns out to be her daughter was helping her. Well, you know, I'm, I'm raised in the South. I try to be a gentleman. And, and how many ladies you think it's okay for there to be gentlemen in the world today? Can I get an amen to that? One time I was going into a door and this, I opened this door for the lady and the lady looked at me. She said, I can get that door by myself. I said, well, you go right at it then. You know what I'm talking about? Actually, I tried to hold it. I didn't say that. I only thought it, everybody. I didn't speak it. I only, true story. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think there ought to be gentlemen in the world today. That's all I'm saying. So I, I kind of stayed close because I didn't want this lady to fall. She was very fragile and older. And, and so I stayed far enough away that they knew I wasn't psycho, but I was close enough that if she stumbled, that I, I could jump out and catch her very quickly, you know? And, and she said, she said, oh, sir, you don't, I said, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And so I just helped her down. And then of course her, uh, the, her daughter had to go park the van because uh, they weren't parked, they were just dropping her off. And I said, ma'am, I'll walk you to the door. So I did. And I, you know what, Cracker Barrel, there's always the first set of doors and the second set of doors before you get inside of their general store. So I opened up the first set and I helped her in and I opened up the second set and I, I helped her in. I said, well, we might as well stand in line because there's, because everybody knows how wonderfully blessed Cracker Barrel is. So there's a long line of people, you know, waiting to get some biscuits and gravy. And um, so we stood in line and, and they were seating people and they sat people a lot faster than we both expected. And, and uh, it was this lady's turn to be seated, and she's looking around for her daughter. And I, I said, ma'am, don't worry. Your daughter just walked by the window. I just saw her. So if they go ahead and seat you, just don't get out of line. Just go ahead and be seated, and I'll, I'll tell your daughter that you're inside. And she said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I have one of those special conversations where you just want to reach. I just want to reach down and hug this lady. I just like, oh, you're so cute. You're so cute. You know? <laughs> And she was just so, and she said, she said, honey, where are you from? I said, well, you probably never heard. I'm just from Indiana. She said, well, you wouldn't happen to know where Kokomo is, do you? I said, I certainly do. I live in Plymouth. She said, oh, we used to go to Plymouth all the time, and now I live here. And by that time, her daughter had, had showed up. And at that very moment, and I mean this literally, at that very moment, I realized this moment is not about a meal. It's about a mission. And, and literally, the first thought I had was, God, is this a moment that you're creating for me to share the love of Jesus Christ? Is this a moment? See, a lot of people would have missed out on a moment to share Jesus. They would have been so focused on the meal that they would have missed the mission. But I'm here to tell you, everybody, wherever you go, that there will be opportunities for you to make a difference in the life of someone else. And it took a Cracker Barrel in the Phoenix area for me to meet somebody who grew up in Kokomo and actually just minister to them, especially to the daughter, the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something else? Somebody else was leaving this morning. They, they said, you know what, Pastor, we have one of those stories. We, we were on, on vacation all the way in Hawaii and we met somebody and they said, where are you from? Ah, oh, a small town in Plymouth. He said, oh, I am too. I'm from Plymouth. And she said, she said, you know what? It took, it took two people meeting all the way, that were from the same town meeting all the way, not meeting in the same town, but meeting in Hawaii. Can you imagine? And you think, well, boy, it's a small world. Can I tell you something? It's a big God. 
We have, it's not just a small world. We have a very big God who knows how to put people together and, and knows how to challenge his children to take advantage of the opportunity. And everywhere you go, you should have this mindset. No, I, it's not about the meal. It's about the mission. It's not about your groceries. It's about the mission. It's not about the errands that you're running. It's about the mission. I'm everywhere I'm going, everywhere I go, and I mean this literally, I'm ready to minister the grace and the love of Jesus at any moment, at any time. Whenever the Lord makes an opportunity, I realize, oh, this could be a God moment. I'm taking advantage of it. I, I can't go to Walmart without, I literally cannot go to Walmart without encouraging somebody, strengthening somebody, praying for people, talking to people. I've counseled people in Walmart. I've talked somebody out of suicide in Walmart before everybody. So you got to go there without your groceries in mind. Yeah, take your list. Go buy your groceries. But can I tell you something? Have you ever thought that going to Walmart might not be about the meal, it might be about a mission that God has for you? And you gotta be ready to take advantage of it. And the disciples are looking at Jesus. Jesus, what about the food? What about the food? He's like, guys, get off of it. This moment isn't about food. This moment is about her. That she doesn't know. She doesn't know the saving grace of my heavenly father. This moment isn't about the well. This moment is about living water. And I'm teaching her about it. How many times do we get our eyes focused on the wrong things? You know, I won't, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here. It's point number four. And this is going to sound so stupid to so many of you, but it's going to make sense in a second. So hang with me. Number four, never exchange significance for soup. You're like, where is that in the Bible? It's in there. Genesis chapter 25 is the story of Jacob and Esau. And, I, and all the scriptures right there, we don't have time enough to read through it all. But can I tell you something? Jacob is cooking this incredible stew and Esau comes in. He says, brother, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Hey, well, sell me your birthright. Give me your birthright. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. Well, if you want something to eat, that's what, you're, that's what the payment is. And the Bible says that Esau actually exchanged his birthright for a cup of soup, everybody, for some stew. He gave away his birthright. Let me say it a different way. He gave, he gave away his significance for soup. And you say, well, that guy's so dumb. What, what an idiot. Esau was an idiot. Well, let me tell you, it wasn't his brightest moment. I promise you that. But in my life, I've had lots of moments in which I wasn't very bright. Where in the moment, I was so focused on what I wanted that I ignored what God wanted. And I didn't live my life to make a difference. And I'm learning and I'm growing. Sometimes, can I tell you, be honest with you, there are still some times where, where my wife and I, we're very honest, we're very open with each other. We have a great marriage. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll go to my wife or sometimes my wife will come to me and she'll say, you know what, I think I dropped the ball. I think I was supposed to do something right here, but I didn't do it and I'm, I'm regretting it now. And I'll tell her the same thing. You know what, I, I wondered if this wasn't God and I might have missed that. And God, if I did, forgive me, but send somebody else. If, it, if, if it's too late for me to make a difference, God, I'm just trusting you that you got that covered with somebody else. Because I still, I don't always get this right, but I'm doing better than I ever have. Because I'm focused on the mission and not the meal. Focused on the mission, not the meal. I'm gonna end with something that I've shared a couple of times now, and every four or five years, I share it, uh, an illustration that I have. And I'll share this more in the future too. This isn't the last time you've seen this. But a lot of people, they, they live their Christian life in which every single Sunday, they come to church and they tuck, tuck in their napkin and they say, feed me, pastor, feed me, feed me. Tommy Barnett, I went to, it's actually the same conference I just went to. Tommy Barnett, years ago, uh, this part of it, he, he didn't do it like I am, but this part of it, he, he said, pastors, you got to teach your church to feed themselves. He's he said, because you'll find out that your, your church people will come in. If, if they don't know any better, they'll come in every single week and they'll, they'll put on a napkin and say, feed me, feed me, feed me. He said, you need to teach your church to feed themselves. 
And I tell you this all the time, everybody. It's from Pastor Tommy Barnett years and years ago that I thought, you know what? Let me never be a pastor who doesn't teach his church family how to feed themselves. And I tell you this all the time. This word of the, of the Lord, it is living, it is active, and it will change your life. But you've got to dive into it. And if you're only counting on your pastor for spiritual food, can I tell you something? When we adopted our daughter from Haiti, she was so malnourished. At the age of one, she could not bear any weight on her legs whatsoever. At the age of two, she had trouble bearing weight and could hardly even walk. And her legs were like toothpicks. She was so malnourished. And the church in America, who just depends on the pastor feeding them, every, they come in and they put on their napkin, feed me, feed me, feed me. They're malnourished all during the week. They can barely stand up on their own because they're not feeding themselves. Everybody, you need to feed yourself the word of God. You need to dive into this book every single day of your life because it will challenge you, it will encourage you, it will grow you, and you need to. So a lot of people, they come to church, pastor, feed me, feed me, feed me. And then they take off their napkin after church is over with and they lay it down. And then they go through their week without thinking about the things of God, without living out their purpose in Christ Jesus, without really praying, without really studying. They're not really, you know, living the life that God is. And I'm, I'm not saying they're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're not living the life that God has called them to live. And then they come back the next Sunday morning and they take that napkin back. Oh, feed me, feed me. I'm hungry. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And then after church, they put it back down and then they just go back to life as normal. And we have to break that mindset, New Song. In fact, I want you to know something. When you come to church here on a Sunday morning, just like today, I hope you leave this place saying, boy, I'm well fed. That was so encouraging. What a good word. I think Pastor Justin just, just really shared the heart of God. Praise God. God's doing something. Be fed. I, I Listen, I spend a lot of time preparing a meal for you every Sunday. So every Sunday that you're here, put on the napkin and eat up. But when the meal is over, take off the napkin. Don't throw it down. And become a servant. Say, so you know what? I've been fed. Now I'm just going to serve and care for others. I'm not going to avoid the people that others avoid. But I'm going to serve in the name and in the love of Jesus Christ, my Savior. So a lot of people take the napkin and it just goes on and off every week, just right here. And that's not what it's meant for. It's meant for you to put it over your arm in service to somebody else in the name and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is your purpose, new song. And it looks different for everybody. It's not the same. It, it, it all glorifies the Lord. It always benefits somebody else, but some are the hand and some are the arms and the legs and some are the mouth. It, it, it's not, it doesn't always look the same, but we're always doing the same thing. We're always focusing on the mission instead of the meal. And I'm calling you. Let me say it differently. The Lord is calling you to a different way of life. He's not calling you to be a consumer only of the word of God and the things of God. He's calling you to make a difference in this life and in the lives of others. He's calling you to it. You say, well, how? What? Come next Sunday morning and I'm gonna teach you that. I'm, I'm, I'm methodically taking you through how to discover your purpose and how to live it out. I'm, I'm doing it methodically. So you got to be here next Sunday morning as I teach you the next lesson. But for now, we're going to pray a prayer, a very famous prayer that's in the Word of God. And it says, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. That's what we're going to pray today. I'm going to be used for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. That's what the Bible says. We make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. Would you stand up with me today? I never like closing any service here. On occasion, I will, but 
I never like finishing a sermon without giving people a chance, just the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior. And maybe something I said today that we are sinners in need of a Savior, maybe that hit home. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I want you to know I've never, I will never embarrass you or call you out in this moment. This is not the day that you go public. When you get baptized is when you go public. But this is a very personal moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me, and it's not going to take a long time. But if you say today, Pastor, I just want to surrender my life to Jesus, I'm ready. I, I haven't been living for the Lord. I haven't really truly surrendered my life to Christ, and I'm ready to do it right now. I'm going to ask you to, to do something for me. With nobody looking around, again, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. The only person that will know is me. But I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, it's me. I, I'm, I'm giving my life to Christ today. Would you raise your hand and let me see who you are? All right. Four hands, five, six hands. I'm so proud of you. You can put your hands down. I see you. I see you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm so proud of you. The Lord is proud of you. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to just pray it in your heart. Just, if, if anything, just say, Jesus, it's me. It's not a matter of your words. It's a matter of your motive. It's a matter of your heart. And it's a prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. And I confess today that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So today I repent of my sins, and I call out to you for salvation. And you said in your word, Lord, that every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if we confess our need for you, if we confess our sins and cry out to you for mercy, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Father, I thank you that now that I've called upon you for salvation, I thank you that I am saved by grace through faith. Not of works, not of my goodness, but because of your goodness. I could never earn it. I could never achieve it on my own. Salvation is a grace gift from you. And today I accept it. I take the gift of life. And I thank you for saving me. And I pray it and declare it as being done in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that, I, I want you to do something. Just go to guest services. We have a book for you called Fresh Start. They'll just get your name and your email or your phone number. And we'll just follow up with you if, if you'd allow us to. But go there. There's this book called Fresh Start. It's just a great book to start your relationship with Christ with. So don't miss that. If you're watching online, uh, make sure you contact and search. We'll get this to you as well. Now, for, the, for can, can we just give it up for the six people who accepted Christ today? We got to give God some glory for that. Amazing. And now I want everybody else, all of us in this room, if you, if you want to, as we continue the series, moving on into your purpose, I want you to open up your hands toward heaven. Let me bless you. Heavenly Father, we all pray together in unity. Here we are, send us. Here am I, send me. Lord, I want to make a, a difference in this world. Lord, I want to I live a life of significance. I want to make a difference for the glory of your name and for the benefit of those who don't know you and those who do. I want to live for the glory of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I cry out, here am I. Send me, use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't miss next Sunday morning as I give you some application. Be back here. In fact, one invitation can change a life. So invite a friend with you next Sunday morning. We'll see you then. God bless you guys. I love you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.